0: Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanek, lead pastor of The Block Church. I wanna thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life, and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. I am so excited to get to preach today. We are finishing out our series on how to get close to God. Make some noise if this series has helped you. Take some steps, getting closer to him. It's week seven and uh, we've got a great day today. The energy's already in the room here in Northeast. I know that's true in Port Richmond Northwest as well as people are taking steps to get baptized today, which is a step to take their faith public. And so right now in Northeast, we are getting ready for Sarah. She's gonna get in the tank and Sarah's Sarah's amazing cause she's been going to new to the church and she already serves on the creative team here in Northeast. She was invited initially by her sister and uh, she had been church hunting and immediately she said that the block church felt like a safe space for her to begin her adult relationship. I love that. She was born into the church, but now as an adult she's really made the decision to follow, follow Jesus uh, for herself. And right now in Port Richmond, we have Andre in the tank. Andre is one of our block youth. Uh, He's a junior in high school and he finally has understood the gospel for himself. He's eager to continue to grow in his relationship with Jesus. He's joined several block groups to build humility and he's ready to go all in for Jesus. And in the Northwest, we have Christina. Christina has given her life to Christ in 2020 Uh, after it took an unexpected turn. She found out her mother's cancer was terminal and she found out that she was expecting her first child on the same day. She knew that her testimony was to live for Jesus. Even though she was burdened, she kept her faith growing. And today she's making that public declaration so I'd love for us at all of our locations right now extend a hand towards those who are in the tank and let's pray over their life change in this moment Jesus we acknowledge you and your plan and your purpose for, for Christina, for Andre, and for Sarah. God, we pray that you would bring a transformation that only you can do, a turnaround in their lives that only you could get credit for. Holy Spirit, renew their minds, set them on the path towards you for the rest of their days. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, Sarah, Andre, and Christina, are you ready to follow Jesus all the days of your life? We baptize you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit. Powerful, powerful, and you know what? It's just starting, it's just beginning. We can't wait to see more people at the end of service take that same step and make their faith in Jesus. It goes from a private faith to a public faith. And maybe you're in the room at one of our locations or you're watching online and and you're wondering, what do you do post-baptism? After having a great moment like that, what do you do? Well, we're closing out how to get close to God with a message that I wanna title, One Step at a Time. Turn to your neighbor and tell them one step at a time. We're gonna kick it Old Testament today. Anybody got some love for the Old Testament? That's actually a bigger applause than I thought, good. I love the Old Testament. I love to hang out and read the stories there. I'd love for you to turn to your Bible, uh, 2 Kings chapter five. I'm gonna read you 15 verses, and this story uh, is what we're gonna teach out of today. So I hope you have it on your your smartphone if you brought your Bible with you. I think some things are gonna jump out at you you're gonna wanna underline. So go ahead and take a moment, 2 Kings chapter five. I'm reading out of the NLT. It says, the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Israel and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Some context you need to know before we go on. Aram was the enemy of Israel. Israel were the people of God, God's chosen people that he made the covenant with. And Aram was a long time nemesis enemy under King David. Aram kind of stayed in their place. They didn't bother Israel too much. Then as the Kings went down, Aram became this great enemy because they were so closely um, like geography. Wow, words are hard. Geographically, thank you. Geographically near Israel. And so now at this time, we just read, they would raid Israel from time to time. They took this little girl as one of their captives and now she serves this great commander of the army. All right, in verse four, uh, so Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in israel so naaman went with his horses and chariots and he waited at the door of elisha's house but elisha sent a messenger out to him with the message go and wash yourself seven times in the jordan river then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy but naaman became angry and stalked away I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus and Abana and the Parfar better than the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away in a rage, but lucky for Naaman, He had some friends around him, verse 13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, "'Sir, if the prophet had told you "'to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? "'So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, "'go and wash and be cured.'" So Naaman went down to the Jordan River. He dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him and Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept a gift from your servant. Come on, give God some praise for that. There are so many good things happening in this passage and I wish I had five days to bring it all out, but we're gonna stay focused here on what I feel like the Lord wants to say to us today. We've been talking about how to get close to God and one thing that I feel like the Holy Spirit has just been talking to me over and over and over, it's not just what steps do we take, it's also how do we take these steps? Now, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of functional patterns, but it's actually a great process that makes you think about your body and how you move and the actions that you take. So I brought a treadmill with me today and I'm just gonna hop up on it. I practiced it a few times so I wouldn't just eat it in front of you. But, well, most of us don't think about when we take steps, what's happening. We just naturally go. Well, this past year, I've had some major posture issues. I wish I had a picture to show you. I actually wore a posture corrector for a while in our office, the strap that would keep my shoulders back, because for the last 15 years, I've just hunched over my desk. You know, I sit in a coffee shop or I sit. And so now at 34, I have neck issues and and back issues very often. And so when I go hiking or I go on long walks, my body will start reacting. My neck will start spasming and I have a lot of issues. And so through functional patterns, I've learned that how I take steps matter. I like to walk with my feet turned out a little bit, and I thought that made me like a ballerina. I don't know if you can see my feet right now, but I actually need to go heel-toe, heel-toe, heel-toe. And when I walk properly, my core actually engages and starts firing up and gets tired. And then I actually walk better and straighter. And so through this functional patterns, I've learned how I take steps matters. It's not just how long can I go? How fast can I go? Can I go uphill or downhill? It's about how I take those steps so that I can make it for the long haul. And the Christian life is the same principle. We as Christians and believers in Jesus, we are committed to a long obedience in the same direction. There's a book written by Eugene Patterson by that uh, title, and it is powerful. It's so different than the way that we think about things. We'll come to church in crisis and say, God, you need to come through and heal my mom of cancer. God, you need to come through in my finances, and we'll come in our desperation, which is beautiful. And God responds to that, and he loves when his kids come to him in need. But what we miss so many times is that the Christian life is about a relationship with the Lord. He is a person, he has preferences, he has plans and desires, and it is about us walking in step with him in the same direction towards him for a very long time. In our services, we baptize kids from the block kids. And The reason that we believe that kids can make the decision to follow Jesus is because God's given them minds to understand sin consequence, forgiveness, and freedom. And so these kids can make a decision to follow Jesus and be baptized and follow him for the rest of their life. And the reason that I know that I'm sure of it is because at eight years old, I made a decision to get in the tank, be baptized. And my life for the last 26 years has been a long obedience in the same direction, season after season, year after year, I'm following the Lord. And in Naaman's story, what we see is that he almost missed out on this major blessing, this major healing. Why? Because of his pride. And so the first step, as we think about how to take steps is that we need to take steps with humility. The Bible talks about pride all the time, and actually uh, a passage that's very savage about pride comes out of James 4, 6. It says, therefore, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You need to hear that today, just like I need to hear it. God will oppose the proud. So as we're in a series about how to get close to God, you need to know that your pride is a stench in his nose. And as much as he loves you and cares for you, it could make him oppose you. Pride is so offensive to God. The psalmist wrote in Psalm chapter 10, verse 4, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him being God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. If you've ever battled with pride, I have, so I can speak from experience. When you are full of pride, there is no room for God because you are consumed with yourself. You are seeing every situation through the lens of how does this affect me? How do people see me, how me, 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 me. And so the psalmist has it nailed right on the head in all of his thoughts. There is no room for God because your your mind is consumed with yourself. But Naaman was fortunate enough to go and to humble himself, to have that moment to say, okay, I'm gonna go do what the prophet says. I'm going to listen, I'm gonna try this. And in order to be closer to God, we need to take steps of humility to the Lord. And uh, what I love about the Lord is that as we get closer to him, he will also humble us. (laughs) And he does it very gently and very kindly, but very clearly. In January of this year, I went on a hike to the Delaware Water Gap and I was so excited that my back was feeling better. I've been working on my posture. I was like, I can walk up this mountain and I'm not gonna have pain. Uh, I made it to the top. I was making great pace, great time, made it down to the bottom. And I remember thinking, God, I praise you. My back is not hurting at all. This is so awesome. And as I'm driving home, the hour drive home, my back starts going into a spasm and it pulls on some nerves that went up into my face so much so i could not move the right my right arm at all couldn't drive with it and my back was just locking up and it was just horrible pain i get home i start icing it i'm praying over it the pain was so bad i had to I cried myself to sleep that night just so miserable barely slept the next day um had people praying for me i felt some level of relief then for the next two months, I went to the chiropractor, I iced, I stretched, I did everything that I knew to do. I remember like praying to God, I'm doing everything that I know to do and I'm in so much pain every single day. I can barely sit at my desk, I can barely work. I had to stand, I had to just keep moving. Um, extending my arm, it just pulled into my face so the nerves were having issues. Well, fast forward two months later into March, uh, I was at a leadership meeting where all of our leaders gather, we call it All Staff. And Pastor Moses from our Espanol location had just taught us about tearing down altars in our life and building altars, and then invited us forward to the altar. And I knew right in that moment, I need to go forward into the stage space, which we call the altar, and I need to tear down an altar of pride, and I need to build an altar of humility and the holy spirit gave me that language and so i was in the altar and just saying god i'm so sorry for every place that i have pride and so i humbled myself to go to him but then as i was in his presence man he just started telling me about myself and he started showing me it's not just this pride grace it's all the ways that you've tolerated pride in your heart in this way and this way and this way it was coming up and i was just crying and praying and repenting and like god i've been so offensive to you my heart is so wicked i'm so sorry would you for Give me. And I'm building an altar of humility. And Bobby Bird from our Center City location was praying with me. And um, we, we were really focused on this pride and humility thing, but I felt the tension in my back. It was as tight as like a rope pulled to its absolute extreme. It was like it just got cut right in the middle. There's this huge give. And I just felt my muscles relax. And I turned to Bobby and I just could barely choke out the words. And I said, Jesus just healed me. She's like, amen of your pride, amen. I'm like, no, he just, I mean, yes, but he healed my back. I have zero pain. It's not even a slight bit of tension. All the nerves are just calm. And I just kind of sat in his presence like God, I'm you didn't even have to, and I wasn't even asking you to heal me. And I was so just kind of overwhelmed with his kindness in that moment. And I went home, and the next morning, Bobby texted me, and all she texted me was Proverbs 3, 7, 8. She didn't even give me what the scripture said. I had to go look it up myself. But I went to look it up, and it says, "'Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing in your body and strength for your bones.'" And that morning, I just wept and wept and wept and said, God, I'm so sorry again that I've become wise in my own eyes. And thank you for bringing healing to my body and my bones as I fear you, as I submitted my whole self to the Lord. Sometimes we get tempted to fear man or fear outcomes. We need to fear God first and foremost, which means put him in his place as king of our lives, as savior. And that takes humility to come before him in that way. And so I feel like God's been teaching me and we really see it in the story of Naaman that we need to take steps of humility. And I can just imagine Naaman, this great commander, you know, who said, what is the Jordan River? It's so small. It's so insignificant. Back in my like homeland, we have way better rivers. I should be healed there. And Naaman fell into a trap that many of us fall into as well. If God would have asked him for something really difficult, we would have done it. But his men said, simply obey what Elisha said. And sometimes for us, even baptism can feel that way. Oh, if God asked you to go you know, um, on a podcast and talk about him, or if God asked you to go do something that is really difficult, you'd be like, yeah, I'll do it. But getting dunked in a tank in a mobile church setting might feel too simple for many of you. But the power is in the obedience. The power is in God. This is what you've asked me to set to do. I'm going to do it because I trust you and I love you. And baptism does beg some humility because you get wet in front of a crowd of people that you may or may not know, right? We've had people over the years say, oh, I I wanna get baptized, but I just don't want everybody to look at me. And so as we've discipled them, we've said, baptism is not about everybody looking at you. It's about everybody looking at what God has done in your life. It's about everybody looking to him, their eyes on him, just through your life and your story. And so it's actually powerful to get baptized publicly and go through that so that your pride can be checked and you realize baptism about humbling myself and saying, God, I'm taking this step for you and with you. And Naaman, I can't imagine all the things that would go through his mind, dipping, that Hebrew word is immersion, dipping, seven times. I'm sure the first time he went down, he's like, this is so stupid. And the second time I'm only here because of these officials, I'm firing all of them. And the third time it smells bad in here, you know? And you can just just imagine the thoughts changing, but maybe by dip five, dip six, he's like, oh, you know what, I, I feel some faith. I feel like maybe this, will actually work and then by dip seven to come out and your skin be totally healed from leprosy. God asks us to do things in the process for the long haul multiple times because he is so much more concerned about what the process does in our hearts than us just getting the result. God is not just concerned with alleviating our suffering. He's concerned with how we walk with him, how we trust him, how we go in step with him. And we say, you say seven times, I'm doing it seven times. I'm not gonna stop short on six because you didn't come through this time. God will always give us things for it to be about the process. And that's why the second thing that I pull out of this passage with Naaman is that we need to take steps with consistency. This is something that I think we struggle with in our culture and will miss sometimes in the Christian life. If we don't have daily disciplines or weekly disciplines, we miss out on so much of our relationship with God because it's built through consistency. What can encourage us about Naaman's story is that we see him taking steps. The servant girl came to him and said, I know a guy back in Israel, you should go into enemy territory. You should go ask for healing there. Naaman was pretty obedient to that. He went to his king, got permission, went to the Israel king, went to Elisha. You see Naaman taking these different steps. But then when Elisha did not come out personally to him, It offended him and his pride got provoked and he said, no, no, I'm done with this guy. If he doesn't have the decency to come out and meet me himself, I'm not having this. And many of us can fall into that trap too. Oh, if the pastor doesn't talk to me, I'm not going to this church. Oh, if this, you know, fill in the blank. Oh, my group leader, they didn't follow up with me. I'm done with God. Our pride gets pricked and we have a decision. How are we going to respond? And so when Naaman finally turns back and dips himself seven times, you see God's mercy. You see that his first response was horrible, but God is about the consistency, he's about the long haul, he is about the journey. In our church, we've created a growth block, which are four simple things. They're very simple, but we really believe that if you do them over and over, you will grow. You will become a full-fledged disciple of Jesus. And if you've been new to the church, you'll know this by heart, but to everybody else and for a reminder, our first step is to attend more than you miss. If you make church a priority and you say, I'm gonna build my life around the gathering of the saints and the ecclesia and I'm gonna attend church more than I miss, you will grow. If you serve like Jesus and you join a block team or you go to serve Saturday and serve the community, serving will just bring all of your immaturity and your selfishness and your pride to the surface, which is discipleship. And you'll help, you'll have these reminders of, oh, life is not just about me. I get to serve others. So we say serve like Jesus. The third thing is connect in and outside of the church. Building relationships with people in the church will disciple you and grow you. Building relationships with people outside of the church and talking to them about Jesus, bringing them to church with you will grow you. And then giving generously. There is nothing like uh, money to just see how deep our discipleship is. And as a pastor, I know that more than anything, the act of tithing is about if I trust God or not. It's a discipleship thing. And so we say, if you do these over and over, you will grow. But the, the enemy of our consistency, the, the, the enemy of our souls will try to get us to be inconsistent. And there's two factors. One will be through discomfort. When you start taking steps and maybe you increase your pace, it starts hurting in ways that you haven't hurt before. And you're like, this is uncomfortable. I want to stop. When you start reading your Bible or, or prioritizing church or being vulnerable with people, there's a discomfort there. It's uncomfortable and your temptation will be to just stop and to cease because it hurts. But the other enemy is that there's a distraction through comfort. Many of us in the Christian life will get into a pace and we'll get really comfortable. I read a chapter of scripture every morning. No big, it's my habit now. I I wake up and I barely even have to think about doing it. I go to church every Sunday, I serve on team. And you start getting really comfortable. But what happens then is sometimes our pace will slow down. We're not pursuing God the same way. And we'll just kind of slow down. And we're like, it's not that I'm not believing God anymore. You know, I still believe in him, but maybe I don't have to do this as much or in the same way. Or there's even a temptation to just start, start coasting and to even stop altogether. But what happens when you stop is that the enemy and sin is pushing against you with such a force. There's no such thing as just staying still. So if I'm on my journey with God and I just kind of am coasting, and I'm not moving, He will push you back and away. And what we need to know is that comfort is more dangerous to our spiritual walk than discomfort. Because with discomfort, we realize I've stopped, I've turned away. When we get comfortable, you don't even realize, you're not turning away, you're just being pushed back further and further from the Lord. God wants us to take steps towards him with humility and with consistency because he has so much for us on the other side. I'd love for you to stand to your feet. If you're with us in person, if you're online, make sure that you have a moment to just be focused. When I was a kid's pastor and I would teach Bible stories, at the end, I would always ask the kids, who is the main character of that story? And they'd say, Moses, Noah, Jesus. And I'd be like, every time be like, you're wrong. (laughs) It's God. God's the main character of every single story we read in scripture. And so if we look at this story with Naaman, we need to say, what is God doing? Where is God in this story? You don't see Jesus as a character, but you see God pursuing Naaman through the servant girl. You see God pursuing Naaman through Elisha. And I, I, I can't stress this enough. When Naaman was being pursued by the God of Israel, he was an enemy of God. He was the one that was raiding their cities, raiding their towns, stealing their kids to be servants for him. He was an enemy of God and yet God was pursuing him and getting his attention and saying, I wanna heal you, I wanna set you free, and I wanna change the path of your life to where you forsake every other idol and you only serve the God of Israel. The same is true for you in this room or you watching online. The New Testament records it as while we are enemies of God, Christ died for us to save us from our sins. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. You enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories, and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.